This is Magnolia Leadership Podcast, heart, soul, and earth aligned. I'm Catherine Miller, a holistic practitioner of 30 years and your host. Join me as we discuss what it means to lead from the sacred feminine. Magnolia Leadership is here to guide you home, remind you of your courage, awaken your deepest knowing, revealing your fullest expression, and supporting your beautiful blossoming. Welcome in. Hi, y'all. Welcome back to Magnolia Leadership's podcast. It's been a while since we published an episode. There's just been a lot going on in the world and a lot going on in my own life. And so to honor both of those things and also to honor the truth of feminine leadership, which is that sometimes it requires spaciousness and inward work before being externally oriented. We've taken a little pause, but we are back and with a really exciting and special treat for our listeners today. I am welcoming leadership coach, speaker, writer, imposter complex expert, and a sassy soul who I love to death, Tanya Geisler, to this show today for a very powerful and lively conversation about learning how to feel more whole, to embody more of who we really are in all aspects of our life, and really focused on how to have a a huge, what she calls an iconic impact in our leadership. She is a certified leadership coach, a TEDx speaker, and she teaches leaders how to combat this imposter complex. Her clients include best-selling authors, heads of industries, speakers, leaders, movement makers, entrepreneurs, and legendary motivators. I have been a client of hers and I can vouch for how amazing and life-changing her work is. So today, this conversation, we recorded it a few months back, but it is still relevant at this moment. And we approach these topics with love for each other, with compassion, and always with a sense of fun and humor. Some of the topics that we get into are the concept of matriarchal leadership, Tanya's definition and more explanation of the imposter complex, Tanya's beautiful framing of shadow as the golden shadow and something that we can really learn to bask in instead of beat ourselves up for working with opening up more traditional definitions of identities. For example, like really opening up the concept of a CEO, the identity of a CEO, playing with the question of how good can you let it be, the importance of celebration in personal and collective growth, our special gifts and how they show up in our various lives, Tanya's own story, her origin story of discovering and claiming her own gifts and the arrival of her work, The Imposter Complex, just in time for her TEDx talk. We get into external mirroring and reflecting and internal ways of knowing. And we get into the idea of trusting life, having faith in life, or as Tanya says, life has your back, even in the hardest places. 
I hope you enjoy this powerful, loving, fun-spirited, heartwarming conversation with the one and only Tanya Geisler. So we're exploring this theme of what it means to lead from the feminine as a way of bringing in balance. And really, the focus is ultimately on union, but we're emphasizing the feminine archetype because she has allowed herself and she has been suppressed. And we're at a time where that arc is correcting itself. Mm-hmm. And so these conversations are really to get different people's perspectives on what it means to lead from the sacred feminine, not only in work, but in mothering, in our relationships, in our connection with the earth. So it's it's a broader reach. Everybody wants to talk about work, which I think is kind of revealing, right? When we talk about- Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. When we talk about leading, we suddenly we go to this place where- it's about work and achievement, but this it's a much broader view because I think how we're showing up and leading as mothers is some of the most profound work that we can do. It's the most potent place where our feminine power gets to just really come in. And I mean, in the fullest expression where we have the protective fierce mama who knows when to say no, not only to our children, but to what's wrong in the world, all the way to like this deep nourishment that we offer to our kids and to the world. So those are some of the points that are important. And for people listening, it's just to get a feel that there's not one way that this shows up. There's so Mm. many different, Mm. we all are emanating a frequency that is important for this. We all have something beautiful to bring in. And so as people listen to this podcast, I want them to start to get a feel of different people's gifts and frequency and how, how they might be able to do that too. Yes. And I could listen to you talk all day. Get that little Southern accent in there. <laughs> no, yes, um, but but no, like just the depth of your understanding, the depth of your care. Oh, just, just everything right with the world. And likewise, when I present this to you, is there something that gets sparked that you'd like to play with? Is there any part of this that feels juicy? Oh, it all feels really juicy. <laughs> and what I really appreciated was the vision of the tapestry of these distinct threads, which for me, it's a beautiful image. And I like to name you know, all of my identities. So as a white, neurotypical, able-bodied, this head woman of middle-class means in North America, this, everything I say will be coming from that lens, that perspective. So that won't be everybody else's experience. So I'm, so I love that my thread sits next to somebody else's thread with head that has a different viewpoint because of their lived experience. So I yes. love that. Yes. Love that. I'm part of this much bigger woven tapestry. The union part of it is really important Mm -hmm. and why that for me personally, and you know, this, what I'm in service to is truth. That's really what I'm serving here. And I believe like separation is the thing that is creating everything that ails us. And so the union is to find ways where everybody's perspective is allowed. And I think like that's really missing. Oh yeah. In our world. And not all of them. How can we unify all of these voices 
of women and men who care about the sacred and its expression in the world. Well, when you talked about separation for a moment, it it reminded me of their separation and how do we get there? Well, we get there because we have canonized rugged individualism for so long as part of white supremacy culture, patriarchal structures, which again, that's your work. That's what the unity is. So to, to divest from that rugged individualism, to divest from that perfectionism, even that these threads are not gilded and perfect none of this is perfect that's the big idea here well and the imperfection is perfect like the imperfection in it is the perfection just that medicine right there is so i love anything that opens something up following that that opening Mm -hmm. versus the constriction Mm -hmm. let's talk about what comes into your body and your feeling space when I say leading from the sacred feminine. Let's just start there. In this moment. In this moment, I hear matriarchal leadership. Mm-hmm. I hear medicine culture, which mm-hmm. is language that, again, wanting to be mindful of from my lived experience, because I don't, medicine cultures are not part of my faith tradition. So I can only look at them from a certain perspective. But the idea that everyone bringing their best Mm -hmm. of whatever their particular medicine is, Mm -hmm. is that unity, is that wholeness. So the leadership isn't about this sort of hierarchical structure as much as it is a contained presence, how we gather in matriarch leadership, which I feel is what I'm oriented to towards oriented towards at my best in my work in my vocation and also just in my in my realm in my world in my there's nothing that brings me greater literally joy than to be able to name something for someone Mm -hmm. in a parking lot or you know wherever it is to Mm. reflect back who they really are if I can be so audacious as I normally am that audacious and I'll always ask for permission first but that's where I go immediately when you talk. Mm. That's really beautiful. The impetus for this particular podcast, this is not something I wanted to do. It was actually, I was in a ceremony uh, with women and it came in as this image of multi-generational women around a tree engaged in preparing vegetables, shucking the shell of a bean, like sitting together and doing a task. Mm-hmm. And in that sharing this, this wisdom around this very old sacred tree. Mm-hmm. And that is the, the kind of leadership that mm-hmm. this frequency that I serve is asking to birth. It's asking to be born. So you just tapped into it exactly with this matriarchal model. So where well, that takes me. And that was the magnolia tree. That's why it's magnolia. Oh, love that. Yeah, and of course you gotta love magnolias, but yeah, I love magnolias, <laughs> steel or otherwise. <laughs> wow. Okay, that's very powerful. So where that took me immediately, and I think it's gonna be a conversation of where that took me, which I love. Catherine, you know me. You know that I know that I love to learn 
a little bit about everything. Yes. <laughs> Magpie. <laughs> exactly. So I think a lot about human design. Again, not at yes. all practitioner, et cetera. Oh, yeah. I love it. Yeah. It's but powerful. It is very powerful. And so as a as a generator, truly a generator, my job hi, my job hi. is absolutely <laughs> our job is to to make sure that we are doing the thing that energizes us such that we can be that energy for other people if they're court low, et cetera. That's probably yeah. a messy way to, to, you can probably extra, expand on that. But I was thinking about this in the context of helping my sister move not so very long ago. I remember thinking, if you want me to bring my energy, don't have me move boxes. I will curate the playlist. I will make a charcuterie board or a grazing <laughs> platter that makes you so happy. This is going to make me happy. And that's the energy that you want. Trust. Because if I move boxes and break some nails and I'm annoyed because the movers are standing around and they could be living these boxes, that is not the me that you want. Just where I immediately went. So if we're around and we're, sh if the intention is to fill the pot with, shucked peas i'm i'm absolutely in there if the intention is to create this beautiful meal this beautiful experience then oh. i'll probably be doing something else i'll not that i can't shuck peas <laughs> yes but there's something about that as well there's something about it bringing your absolute best to the circumstance the situation because there are plenty of people who will like shucking peas more than i will I'm not sure. Yes. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, in this image, it was coming together yeah, and you're making something beautiful. Absolutely. Yes. But you're not in your separate worlds. You're not yes. compartmentalized. You're together in this living, breathing experience that isn't definable. There's not, we're going to do it this way and we're going to get an answer right. and the next answer. It's just, it's even evolving as, as we speak which is the feminine to like, just be in the flow and in the juicy and in the connection. And ultimately we are looking for free expression, fully expressed beings. It's really about freedom. I think I might say something else in five minutes, but hmm. we want fully expressed people. That's what leadership is. Yes. Yes. Right. This is not anti-masculine structure. We need that. But we're trying to make a space for the creative, the chaotic, the fullness, the juiciness, all of that. And there's challenges with it. There are for sure. There is a there's some it's like sometimes it's not appropriate to bring to bring the playlist and the charcuterie board. And sometimes it's that's just not what's called for. And sometimes there is just a time to grind but I feel like that's tricky that's really I'm, tricky this is an important place so I'm curious in your work mm -hmm. which we should probably define a little bit for people listening but just how you work with people on honoring this creative deep impulse and holding that with sort of the organization and the the structure that we're talking about I have a view of it but I'd, I'd love to hear sort of how that comes through your work so maybe let's pause and talk about your work a little bit so people have a frame sure. and then also just really how this is expressing through your work right now. Yeah. My work, a portal to the essence of my work is in mm -hmm. divesting from the imposter complex. So that's really, 
that's the entry point. That's the bottleneck of so many people's activation. What they want on the other side of that bottleneck could be that freedom, could be that alignment, could be that fully expressed way of moving in the world. And for most of my people, it will look a lot like the imposter complex, which is very layered and overly simplifies the nature of the work. But because the imposter complex in and of itself is very complex, part of the reason I call it imposter complex, not syndrome, mm-hmm. other than the fact that syndrome pathologizes uh, co-ops in medical terms. So I'm not here for that. So the imposter complex is sort of the, again, the portal into which I enter this conversation because the imposter complex also is deeply concerned about how we are belonging and not belonging. And no one wants to feel like an imposter. So we hide out in specific behaviors like procrastination, people pleasing, Mm -hmm. perfectionism, leaky boundaries, Mm -hmm. diminishment, comparison. So those will keep us separate is what I'm trying to say. Those will actually keep us from ourselves. And yes. who we yes. want to be. Okay. Exactly. Okay. So if we can, if we can untangle all of that, and first of all, I don't see these aspects of ourselves as, as inherently problematic. They become problematic when they keep us alone and isolated, when they get in the way of our good work, when they have us doubt our capacity when they have us doubt the magnificence that we are innately gifted mm-hmm. amen so those are the places that i'm i'm all about that <laughs> but when somebody presents with perfectionism or diminishment or comparison there's a golden shadow that i'm much more interested in amplifying so your mm-hmm. perfectionism may well be conditioned likely is conditioned given the patriarchal structures that we are, you know, white supremacy culture, supremacy culture in general, obsessed with perfectionism. But what if we also amplified the fact that somebody has a beautiful value of excellence? And what if comparison meant that we valued connection? And what if people pleasing meant that we valued inclusivity? And what if leaky boundaries meant that we valued generosity? And what if procrastination meant that we valued discernment? And that becomes, when we look at those sets of that value set, that's a world that I'm interested in living in, where we prioritize excellence, but not perfection, where we prioritize discernment and connection and all of these, these more gorgeous attributes. So I'm more interested in amplifying that than I am about making people feel like shit for going to these coping mechanisms. That's so interesting. I think the way, like in my lens of understanding that, these things that you're talking about are programs that get in yep. and disrupt us from our true nature and they might not ever go away because they're deep. Use them as these defensive structures to really just protect ourselves and keep ourselves safe. That's really what's happening. And so to then hate that is actually re-traumatizing the part that has this wound and this protective structure. And so in my work, it's you, the job is to love it. Love it. And when you love it, it transforms. And it doesn't go away but it can transform into these other potential ways of being in the world that I see as medicine. So if I'm a perfectionist and I'm using perfectionism as a a way to create ultimately safety for myself, how can I love that little part of me who's been just trying so hard just to be safe enough so she opens a little 
And then I can bring that teaching. I think sweet. part of myself that absolutely loves beautiful, excellent things. Hi, beautiful part of myself that really wants to do a really good job. It can be as simple as that. It can be nourishing. It feels just so, yeah. Part of myself that tends to diminish because I was prized to, I was told that humility was a virtue. So I sweet part of myself that really wants to honor that humility and that wants to make sure that there's plenty of space for other people. Mm. That. Mm-hmm. You know, the self-development space is a $42 billion industry. That is a lot of money invested in making people feel super shitty about themselves. So here's a program that's going to help you stop being a perfectionist. Stop comparing yourself to other people. In three months. <laughs> it ain't that. This is deeply programmed. This is deeply conditioned. And it isn't, we're so quick to label and to compartmentalize and to silo just as we do with each other, that we can't look at it. That would be your language. And I and I don't even know that I've named it as such. I just talk about these golden shadows, these aspects mm-hmm. that can we bask in them? Can we amplify that? Can we look at what becomes possible if we say, goodness, I might be a people pleaser, but Lord have mercy, do I really want to be inclusive? Lord have mercy, do I really host beautifully because I want my people (laughs) to feel beheld. I might have leaky boundaries, but I'm deeply generous. And, and that's part of my, the healer that I am. Mm -hmm. I have to remember, however, as a healer to include myself in my own circle of care. So a huge thing that I've been working on lately has been working with these different identities. You know, I love identity work. So helping folks to tap into what an identity might, that might amplify those beautiful values that we have, again, tried to slap our wrists out of causing us more harm. It's deeply compassionate. The way you hold your, hold this space, your space is deeply compassionate for these programs, these places where we're struggling. Can you give an identity example? Yeah, sure. Current, let's like coming up right in your space right now. And thank you so much because yeah, may it be so, may it be so. I do hope that my work holds a lot more compassion because Lord knows that is a thing that we are all a court low of right now. Yeah. So I was just thinking about the, oh, I'll just go right here. The identity that I most associate with perfectionism, which really is about a value of excellence is the CEO. And the mm-hmm. CEO is a great one because it is so fraught. What we have had the CEO that has started to mean for us but when I think about the most benevolent kinds of CEOs, they are people who prize excellence, who understand that mistakes are part of the iterative process, that bringing the best, this is intended to be very matriarchal, bringing the best people to amplify their own abilities and in your words, medicine gathering all these people, allowing them to do and be their very best too. There's something really much more nurturing than the way that we've seen it historically, this really punitive kind of uh, approach. We also know that the best kinds of CEOs aren't afraid to swing out, to try things. They, They know to delegate. They know that there is no such thing as perfectionism, that if we orient ourselves towards excellence or in my previous language it would have been more around impeccability so that's one of the identities 
why make that part of us wrong that wants to do really well on behalf of in service of other folks? Why make ourselves wrong for wanting to be surrounded by bright folks with big ideas as long as we give them the space to express as such? So again, this word, this title, this identity has become so rigid and it makes so many people very, very, very squeamish. But when they look at it in this context and the work of a lot of folks who are business owners, you know, allowing them to explore the texture and the landscape of what the CEO means for them is very it opens up a lot. It feels like butter. This <laughs> is like, mm. <laughs> slides have it out on some bread. It's just yummy. It feels like you're, you have so many gifts, but in this place, it's like lightning. Mm. It's like under wound of not enoughness. I, I, that's what I would feel. It's all the ways that we experience this program of not enough. And then like at this top layer, like just really lightening that up. In a way where there's like some breath and some yumminess in there. It's so, I just kept saying like, that feels like butter on bread, you know, just like, right. And so why does this matter? Right. Why does this matter? What we're talking about? We love butter. (laughs) Because why can't life be, I love butter, (laughs) but why can't life have this like deliciousness? Why can't it be nourished? Why can't it be deeply nourishing? That's the question. Even the most squeamish I can make people, if I want to, is to ask the question, how good will you allow this to be? I love that. How good will you allow this to be? I love that. Immediately though, immediately, what will show up is the, yeah, but suffering. Yeah, but, um, you know, contexts. Yeah, but like, and all of those yeah, buts get to have a place too. All of those yeah buts get to have a place. They get to live here as well. And still, how good will you allow this to be? I really feel that. Right. I don't have any yeah buts. Oh my God. <laughs> Luckily, I've already had a journey with you and I can just feel the difference where I was and where I'm now. Because when you ask me that question, I'm like, I want it all. It is for me, but it is also in like for everyone around me this like deep place of serving from our capacity our fullness our richness our uniqueness our fullest expression us as the artist of life is not it's like then everybody gets that and then we get to show other people one of the things I love is you just show up yes I'm the one who brings the playlist and the charcuterie board and that's just my delicious expression of my art how different our world would be If we all had the capacity and the tools and the, I want to say permission, right, to just bring it. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is really important work. This isn't just a concept. This isn't just, this is what we do to be our best selves. This is truly what the world needs. It's true. It's deep. Fan myself. I fan myself. I fan myself. (laughs) You're the cutest. (laughs) The thing I think, I think part of the, and, and this actually makes me feel that was beautiful, a stunning acknowledgement. Thank you. I, I deeply received that. And I, the part that has me feeling a little bit tight and mm-hmm. a little, I would name it as a verklempt is I think a lot of folks don't allow themselves to even know what they want yes, or know what brings them joy 
And I feel like that you'll recall with my work, that's one of the very first places we look is what is the state that you want to operate from? Whether you are signing a contract, holding a dying friend's hand, parenting, driving, teaching, doing whatever it is you're doing. How do you want that to be? How do you want that to feel? And for me, I've named that as joy. So I want to feel that joy Mm. in all that I do. Everybody has a different way that they would describe that. Some might describe it as joy. Some might describe it as fulfillment or. Yeah, I think mine is like love. How can I show fully as love everywhere I go in all the moment? Love, truth. And to me, that's like, we all have this like special frequency that we get to tune into. And it is sad that people don't. It's a disservice to the world when we don't have access to these truths about who we really are because we're here to be that that's our job that is our job here that's it it's healing when we are that like to really be with a woman or a man who is in the fullest expression of their womanness mm-hmm. it's freaking powerful and the impact yeah you know, but my dear friend and f- former coach uh, Desiree Attaway one time uh-huh. said to me we are in the pit, like I will say the bowels of uncertainty inside of the pandemic. And I was okay. we were having a conversation about something and I said something, I was talking a little bit about joy and, and found myself diminishing a little bit around it. Is it appropriate? And, and she said in her inimitable way, I don't want to live in a world where Tanya Geisler doesn't prioritize joy. And I'm telling you, Catherine Miller, I don't want to live in a world where you don't prioritize love and truth. I just don't Mm -hmm. because the impact, that's what we're talking about. If I weren't doing my work because you're not doing your work, this incredible human who who doesn't want to be in a world where I'm not, that's what we're talking about here is Mm -hmm. it's harder for me to do my work when you're not doing yours. Right. This breaks down the whole comparison. Yeah. Comparison, jealousy. It's more, this is one of the, my main takeaways, and this is going to be probably funny to you, but the thing that I loved most about being in your container was the celebrations Mm -hmm. with each woman, because it breaks down. We're not in this comparison thing. We actually, we get to celebrate each other's success because when you're basking in your joy, then I get to bask in my, it's just so like, of there's this place that's like an of course. And I'm also hearing this part of me that's thinking like, if someone's listening to this, they might be thinking like we're in this special land or, so I want to just like be clear that this comes as a result of doing the deep dives. That's right. Of going through the layers of being willing to do the descent and let the things fall away that are not, this is not an arrival place. Mm. For me, it's like a place to hold steady in and use as like a mark to keep regulating to, to keep coming back to and doing the work that's necessary to truly hold this frequency. It's Mm -hmm. a full-time job. Mm -hmm. It's a full-time job. Sometimes you want to just tap out because it can be a lot of I do. I'm like, you know, all the stuff and it's required and all the way that life just gives me the, here it is. I mean, I get some hard strokes. And to keep doing it is the work of transformation. Right. And it's not the path for everybody. It's okay if this isn't path for everybody, because this is not an easy path. It most certainly isn't. 
And that celebration, it's so interesting because the celebration piece of my work and most people's work, it can be the hardest thing to do because we are so conditioned. You know, the ego wants to want more than it wants to get. So we are never allowing ourselves the time and the space to rest in the moment of a thing completed. Mm -hmm. On to the next, because the ego wants to want more than it wants to get. So it's constantly on to the next and on to the next. So when we look at our capacity and what we are capable of, it's hard to do because we don't have those celebrations that are part of our grooved in our neural pathways to remember all that we have done and created and delivered and been and overcome. And all of the times we said no, when we wanted to say yes, or yes, when we wanted to say no, or, or stayed in the discomfort or stayed in the joy and stepped right. forward into that. You said something that kind of sparked me. And so I'm going to, I'm yeah. curious space, hmm. allowing of spaciousness. This is an edge for me right now. The more that I'm aligned with what I'm calling the sacred feminine, who just this creative impulse that wants to move through mm-hmm. and holding that and letting it grow and being in right relationship and sustainability with that creative life force requires for me, this is my edge right now, so much slowing down and so much spaciousness and mm-hmm. so much just holding Versus like what I'm really good at is like, oh, there's the thing. Boom, 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 boom. That snuffs it out. That makes it go away. So there's like this working with spaciousness and it's not easy, right? Because there's an uncomfortableness. It's like you're on the verge of an orgasm 24 seven. It's full and what, you know, it's like, whoa. (laughs) Oh my God. I, first of all, I feel it viscerally like when you were I could feel it in my belly I could feel it in my chest I mean I just feel it yeah and that impulse is human it's human and it also sits inside of capitalism we'll call it perhaps right because it's a commodifying a commodification of inspiration commodification of inspiration totally totally the way that I see it is we extract from it. Exactly. I got to extract. I got to extract this resource. It's yeah. here. I got to know how do I use it. What do I get with it? It's in all circles and we all do it. I'm, I've done, I'm doing it. I'm constantly catching myself doing it. Sure. It's sure. like, we see this little bud mm-hmm. coming in we feel this. And then we're like, well, let's have a flower farm. You know, it's like, well, we have the little bud for a minute and like create the space Love that. have this be right-sized, sustainable, yeah. It's a different way of being. I, so first of all, that is a great analogy. The the bud with the flower farm. And, and then, we have this, then we have to hire the people. We have to do this. And we can't, we can't enjoy any of it. I like has to, has to all be under lock and key and just ow. But I also, as you were describing this little bud, I saw this little bud as a hummingbird, which is just such potent energy. And I just read the other day that a hummingbird dies. If captured, caged. Mm. not see hummingbirds in captivity they die Mm. these jewels Mm. of the sky these nectar seeking just benevolent little beauties that just do as they want and we all see them as a gift because Mm -hmm. it's right i do not know a single person who sees a hummingbird and goes 
wah, wah, hummingbirds. <laughs> like you can have a 50 of them day yes. by day by day. And you're still like, oh, right? So that, mm-hmm. like that. So trying to constantly capture. That's what yeah. I want. Yes. Yeah. So how do you see this sort of showing up with your, in your work, this creative flow and how we relate to it? Do you, do you work with men also, or are you mostly? I do. I do. I work with some, with the, with the, I would say a handful of very conscious, really. Yeah. I, I I work with just solid humans largely. Many of my programs have historically been women identified folks only more for out of request um, by the folks that were there. And, and I don't, that has stopped having meaning for me. Okay, great. So how does this show up? I'm very smart. I have very smart frameworks. Yes. I'm very thinky. I am a little magpie-esque about like, oh, a little bit of this, a little bit of this, a little bit of this. <laughs> but make no mistake, the work is deep. The work is yes. running and powerful. All of that is true. And when everything is said and done, my medicine continues to be in being able to reflect back to somebody, their brilliance, their radiance, their potency and all of the rest of it really powerful that is very clear I can say that absolutely but when everything is said and done it is pointing people back home it's pointing people back home so everything else gives structure around your gift yeah so people want tools because they want to continue and and point is too I don't want I've never wanted to have that be the I want people to be able to see it for themselves. I can point it out. Uh, somebody mm-hmm. called me the healer of impossible dreams the other day. How amazing. Mm-hmm. That's a great job title for you. It's a good one. It's a really good one. And really I'm not there all the time. Like I can't do that. Can't do that. So I will give you access to all of the tools that will have your impossible dreams constantly attended to. But when everything is said and done, it comes down to part of the reason you're dissatisfied and 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 have this cloud call it ambivalence call it like call it whatever you will call it it has everything to do with the ways that you are moving the boxes when you want to be arranging the pictures being able to tap into that is is really I would say is my gift which means that people know where they sit at any particular given table which means when we celebrate in circle, we damn well mean it. We don't have this conditioned folks fighting folks for competition and buying for the, the, the only spot of sun. There's plenty of room for all in that space. So, and then again, the imposter complex. So being able to name that has been really helpful for people because it's such a pervasive experience. And again, how that get folks to the other side of the bottleneck that they're exploring, they're experiencing, yes. that's where that person's medicine shows up. That was a very convoluted answer. Oh, that's good. I've got it. I want to, I want to pull a thread Yeah. with you. If this is a little more personal, but I'm curious if you would talk about your experience of knowing this gift and your journey with your own gift, because I think it's really helpful for people to hear stories. You know, I work with a a lot of women 
are, are some women in there, they're like around 30, mm-hmm. right? And they've done this stuff. They've got the degrees, mm-hmm. they've got the job, they followed it and they're just, what the hell? Mm-hmm. This is not it. This is empty. I did all this stuff and it ha- it lacks meaning. And what I hear from them is they know they have something to bring, but they don't have examples of women who have done it. And so one of the things that I'm trying to curate on behalf of these younger women is there are plenty of us who've had to step outside in moments, like really honor the deeper self. So I would love to share, if you don't mind, like your personal story of like, you didn't just show up with this ability to see someone's highest potential without having to have had a journey with that yourself. So apparently you're wrong about that. (laughs) Back in the good old day when Facebook was still just a thing, uh, just starting out, I I, uh, connected with somebody that I knew in like grade two and she found out that I was a leadership coach and she was, that is the least surprising thing ever, Tanya. You were basically a leadership (laughs) coach in grade three. So, okay. I will, I guess that my my origin story for this particular work and (laughs) commodify the inspiration has everything to do with, you know, how we are so fantastic when somebody around us is in any kind of crisis, we just all hands on deck. Let's get with permission. Let's get to the fixing. So I had a dear friend who was so brilliant and deeply unhappy in her work. And I, that to me was not acceptable. I created a experience, just an experience was nothing more than that. I just, I just knew when we would have conversations and I'd reflect certain things back to her, she'd say, yeah, it's this, but it's not quite that. It's this, but it's not quite that. I thought, what would happen if we had, we had, we created the circle and she's the magnolia tree and we all sit around and we reflect back to her when mm-hmm. we, from our human limited perspective of seeing her, because we can only see people from the lens of our own experience, we reflect back to her what is so magnificent and exquisite mm-hmm. and powerful about her mm-hmm. so it was not a super strategic experience let me just say that it was it was in my living room and doing the Jim Collins Jim Collins I don't know good to great that kind of oh, yeah. that, <laughs> I am, right like you know when this was and out of that experience her sister was there myself a couple of co-workers so we all knew her in complementary aspects but we were all committed to her greatness mm-hmm. Not super strategic, like I said, we ended up, we drank a bunch of white Cosmos and ended up karaoke <laughs> at three in the morning, but out of that, it was so great. And out of that experience, she found her way into coaching because there was so much about what we had all come very strategic, very all seeing, whatever. So that was the path that she started about in and around that period. So I was also that 30 year old mm-hmm. in and around. So mm-hmm. same as your folks. My mother had just passed. My daughter was born and then my mother passed all within eight months of each other. And that really is going to, you know, and I had a very, oh, it's big. It was a big, big, big transition, big portal. And I had been very successful in my advertising career. I was like, I was kind of crushing it, as they say, except my soul (laughs) was deeply, deeply deflated would we say that that's the impression I get so there was something I was like just very clear that there was something significantly more for me so after having given this friend of mine that experience I was like oh that's what I want because I noticed people from all these different aspects of my life my dear friend Kath who is 
the European correspondent at the New York Times. She always saw me as a writer. And my friend, Tristana, who's a doctor, saw me as a part of people's circle of care, like so something in medicine. And so people would see me in all these different, somebody saw me speak someplace, just doing a, a presentation, like you're a speaker. So they all saw me in these very different complementary aspects. And in that process of thinking about gathering this for myself, people started coming out of the woodwork and saying that thing that you did for mm. Lisa, that's what I want. Mm. Somewhere along the lines, Lisa said, she became a coach and she said, the thing that you were doing is actually called coaching. So <laughs> that's where I just, I needed to magpie it up and be like, all right, if I'm doing a thing, I better understand this thing. And then that was it. I was like, oh Lord, mm. this is it. And all of those friends were right to a degree, but it was important for me to have these perspectives to be able to push up against. No, I would not be a doctor. No, I would not be a writer. But boy, oh boy, do I like being part of somebody's circle of care. Boy, oh boy, do I like writing. Boy, oh boy, do I like speaking, right? All of these pieces fit. So I would say that's where it came from. But also, so when I worked with people, it was always a bit of a, is it this or is it that? Is it this or is it that? And then over a period of time, I just stopped asking if it was this or that and just said, this is what I see. And that's where things really opened up. But what I kept seeing is even after it was named and it landed as truth, not the truth, but truth. Yes. Foster complex would immediately show up. Okay. Who are you to? Who am I to? It's already been done. It's been done by people smarter, younger, blah, 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 right? So all of that would show up immediately. These people have been searching their whole life for the truth and then it'd be named. And then it was instantaneous. So oh, that's yeah. where I was like, okay, that I guess is where my, that's where I'm going to serve best. I love that. I like that. That's where you kind of hold the line. This is, this is not happening. No, ma'am. Not so on my watch. I love that. I have a curiosity here around the external reflection yeah. and the internally led being externally oriented to what people are mirroring mm. and also this internal way of knowing what's right, right. how those kind of are working together. Cause I'm imagining you can like spark it with your vision and your mirroring. And then someone would need to then really know that in a deep way as their truth from the inside. Um, and then it's sort of a creative process around it, right? It's not just, this is what it is. No. Yeah, I really want to clarify. Nobody externally has oh. that power, but nope, it's like a mirror, right? Yeah. 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 So I call it, again, it's a truth, but it's not, yeah. it's not ever the truth until it's your truth. I see. It's a little of that. What I mean, though, is as a people pleaser, it took me a long time to be audacious enough to say, can I reflect what I'm seeing? And yes. now let's go after your truth here. Let's okay, go so after. that was your growing edge was to actually own your genius yes. enough to say, this is my, okay. For the women listening to this, I just want to really highlight how organic the process of you becoming you has been. Mm -hmm. There's not a formula for this. Nope. There are not goals. It's just for me, the way that I understand the archetypal feminine, she creates from what is present. What is present and presented. The whole yeah. reason I landed the plane on this imposter complex work was because I had a TEDx women invitation. I didn't know that I would have necessarily 
landed on this. I could definitely see it as a through line that was evident to me when I had 20 minutes to serve up a universal truth that I wanted people to understand that encouraged me to focus up on what's the thing. The theme for my TEDx talk was that we were given was the space between what is real and what is imagined. Oh, yeah. And that's how you found this bump. Okay. That's interesting. Well, what I found the bump, no, but that's when I just, when I decided to land the plane of what that talk was going to be was about, oh, this imposter complex. That's the through line of every, of my own experience of every last person that I've worked with. Doesn't matter if they've sat on Oprah's couch. Doesn't matter if they've had a book on New York Times bestsellers. This is what's showing up. Let me understand this Mm. such that I can reflect it back in a way that is useful and meaningful and powerful for other folks. May it be so. I see. So it was in you meeting the experience that was being called, life was calling you into this place. That's right. And you met it. And this was the body of work that emerged. So there's not, there wasn't like a grand plan that you knew of. You were just following this thread. Exactly. Yeah, it's so I good. I, I can't imagine any other way. Again, I, I've done that. I had done the yeah. rise to the top of whatever that path was only to discover that wasn't my path. And I think that one of the places that when we are in this space of, you know, what what's there that we can feel deeply is why I love what you're doing. We feel deeply frustrated because it's going to be an amalgam of, oh, like a little bit of that and a little bit of that and a little bit of that, but we don't see it there because we haven't done it yet. Yes. And even that is perfect because you needed right. that experience of moving through the advertising world and what that was really about and how people got lost in following the prescribed path to be able to pull people through these places that we get stuck. That's right. Yeah, and so- and the other thing, the penultimate or whatever, however much longer we have, the thing that I will say is what I've actually come to realize that in that initial board of your life experience that I was offering, the real honey was actually in other people getting to see themselves in their reflections. So it was this kind of like, I can only see in you that which I deeply yearn for in myself and recognize in myself. Mm -hmm. And that's why it makes it even easier because sometimes that's projection. That's sometimes it's projection. Right. You know, I want you to do this thing because I don't have the courage to do so. It's so loving to be able to turn around and go, this is yours. I love that so much. What advice would you have for someone listening that is, I want this. I'm at this point where I realize I'm at the end of this path and it's not what I want. And I'm feeling stuck. This key, I want to ask another question, actually, Mm -hmm. because I think this is something that you and I actually share. There's this moment where you're hanging and you just, you have to let go. And it's this deep trust and the word faith. I want to explore that for just a minute, just having faith in your own capacity, your own path, your own life. You kind of have to like, let go of that trapeze, knowing that another one's going to come and get you. This is one of the things, the places that I really work with people on. I, I was really blessed to have a mother who cultivated this very, and father, deep faith in life that if you let go, there's going to be another trapeze, right? I've seen this in you. It lets me have a lot of courage because it's like, oh, it's not that it's easy, but it's like, life is going to get me. It's going to catch me somehow. Mm. And I see it in you. You do have this 
the word faith is coming up this faith and they're just these moments oh we don't, we don't know you don't know there's so much not knowing <laughs> i'm just like so much not knowing oh. and i think it's also discernment ahoy like i also have a lot of privilege there is a safety net that sits the trapeze swinger there is that moment where you have to let one bar go to reach for the other one right. and not in survival it's a different yeah. you're truly in a survival yes yeah 100 percent. And, and i know that's important to, to, to both of us but that's been cultivated i have to you know, in some of my work, I look for the data points that show me that life has my back. Yes. Okay. I cultivated that. This is part of the celebration. This is part of the, the that practice. The imposter complex shows up at the precipice of expansion. So part of my yes. work is to help people remember all the times they've been at this precipice. Didn't look exactly the same. Didn't feel exactly the same. But remembering on a cellular level that the party was on the other side of the resistance all of those times that that was true. So being able to build that up as a platform upon which to stand more stably, that's been work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. We have a name for that in your program. It's like our file. I forget the name. Yeah. Well, it's the, I call it the 50 stack where yes, that. you've got like <laughs> this table, you've got this table and it's I'm not smart enough. I'm not this. I'm not that. And it's usually like about four beliefs that we have. And then when we actually really look at those beliefs, if we maybe apply Byron Katie's the work to it, you know, we realize mm-hmm. it's actually pretty, pretty flimsy and it really can't support very much. So bolstering it with other truths about what we've actually seen and touched and that's been really tangible, it becomes this inarguable case for just how unstoppable we actually are because that's what our life has actually shown us I love that thank you so much for your work in the world truly impactful and so meaningful so artfully done so full of joy and grace and beauty and sassiness I love it I'm just (laughs) yeah I'm so glad that that you have listened and that you're oh honoring your thread here and it's it'll be inspiring for people to hear this magnificent and what what an absolute joy to be here with you today knew it was going to be and being one of the threads in this exquisite tapestry that you are weaving so skillfully I'll tell you that it's probably the first time I've ever heard my work or the way I've served my work up with the word sassiness and I am here for it not that you definitely I've got it too it's like you're supposed to be turned on. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to be turned on by life, right? It's supposed to feel good. <laughs> it's just in the grimoire. We can we can claim that for all women. <laughs> Let's like do it. Let's do it. Thank you. That's it for this episode of Magnolia Leadership Podcast. Having you here is such a blessing. As a Magnolia woman, we are leading from our deep aligned power to bring our full bloom to ourselves and our gifts to the world. If you're inspired by this podcast, I invite you to share it with someone or leave a review. Sign up for our newsletter or one of Magnolia Leadership's upcoming in-person, or online offerings at magnolialeadershipco.com. Thanks for listening. Until next time, 
So much love to you.